Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. On this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft, games canceled, games announced, and games remade, plus tons and tons of screenshots that you won't be able to see because it's an audio show. Those stories and more on this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft. Now you're playing with power, portable power. Switchcraft is brought to you live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can tune in over at my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. This episode of Switchcraft is made possible by patrons like you. Get Switchcraft and all my other content ad-free for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. Speaking of runjumpstomp, if you are interested in gaming news and stuff like that, I have been diligently uh, posting gaming news over at my website, runjumpstomp.com. Uh, head on over there and you can find out all kinds of stuff along with the show notes for this particular episode. Let's get started. Whoa, nice graphics. I'd like to get my hands on that game. Well, before we get actually started with the Nintendo news, I want to talk about the show just for a moment. And what I want to say is that you probably noticed the intro is a little bit different. And you're going to notice the, the, the music at the end of the show is a little bit different. Here's why. Um, everything that I use for content creation got nuked yesterday, meaning that uh, I thought that I had it backed up. I was having a problem with Windows. I erased Windows and reinstalled, and then the files for my uh, digital audio workstation, not there. My files for my soundboard, not there. My files for my uh, my OBS, which is my broadcasting software that I use to broadcast to Twitch, not there. Like all of that stuff was gone. So I've got to rebuild everything, and I'm just going to use this as uh, rather than be super sad about it because uh, there's a lot of work that that goes into fixing everything. I've decided rather than be be super sad about it, what I'm going to do instead is take this as an opportunity to re rethink about the format of the show. What's going to change for you? Nothing, really. Um, I might throw in some extra crap at the end, or maybe I won't have intro music. Uh, we'll just have the music at the end. I don't know. Uh, everything is still going to be in flux because everything got nuked. And so I've got to rebuild everything, rebuild everything from scratch, but that's okay. Uh, I, I I've done this a million times. There's been a many times where I've rebuilt everything from scratch on purpose because sometimes I just can't help myself. I just, I like to change things. So anyway, um, that's what's going on with the show. And now let's get to the actual news. You know, the stuff that you came here for. Deliver Us the Moon is a sci-fi thriller set in an apocalyptic near future where Earth's natural resources are depleted, and in an effort to solve the energy crisis, global powers created the World Space Agency, 
and have secured a promising new source of energy on the moon, which sounds like a really, really cool thing. In fact, uh, this is a game that I think a lot of people were looking forward to on the Nintendo Switch. However, this, uh, this game is not going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch anymore. Porting games is never easy. And porting games from a more powerful set of hardware to a less powerful set of hardware is even more difficult to do. And so it seems like, I'm, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but uh, Kyokin Interactive and Wired Productions were not able to make this happen. Here's what they had to say uh, on a post that came out earlier today. Uh, Hello, astronauts. It's been just over six weeks since we launched on Xbox One and PlayStation 4, and we have been overwhelmed with love, passion, and positive feedback for the game shown by fans worldwide. We had planned to include Nintendo Switch in our release schedule. However, today we unfortunately bring news that we will no longer be releasing a Nintendo Switch version of Deliver Us the Moon. We had a duty to our players and to our teams, and after careful consideration, we've had to take the difficult decision to end development. The decision has been made based on a number of factors, not helped by the industry-wide stresses that have been felt by the COVID-19 pandemic, which has made every task just a little bit harder. We understand the disappointment that this may cause you if you have pre-ordered the game on the Nintendo Switch. You can get in touch with your retailer to cancel this. Thank you for your patience and support. Our missions have only just begun, and we look forward to sharing news on where these next rockets take us. So, I mean, it seems like, look, this is the beginning of the end for a lot of companies that are trying desperately to make their games uh, they've been probably working on these games for years and then suddenly they can't go to work. They have to work from home. And when you are looking at a small developer, that's really, really hard to do. Now, why is it so difficult to do? Usually because of dev kits. You know, you, you if you want to make a video game for Nintendo Switch, if you want to make a video game for Xbox or for PlayStation, you need a dev kit. You need a you need a system that will show you exactly what it is that your game will run on the Nintendo Switch. So you have to have that dev kit. And you have to have a dev kit for pretty much everybody who's working on that game. Now, usually the way around this is for uh, companies, not companies, but uh, employees to share a dev kit where in the morning... I don't know, uh, we'll say Jeff uses the dev kit, and in the afternoon, Craig uses the dev kit, and uh, uh, maybe on Mondays, uh, Alice uses the dev kit, and on Tuesdays, then uh, Jane uses the dev kit. When suddenly nobody's allowed to go to work, and you now have one dev kit to split between four different people, how do you make that happen without purchasing more dev kits? And when you're a small studio, you can't afford to purchase a bunch of dev kits. And so you have to say, I'm sorry, but we're not going to make the game for your system of choice. And I think that we're going to see 
more cancellations on this. Now, not just for Nintendo Switch. Uh, probably we'll see PlayStation games get canceled and Xbox games get canceled and Stadia games get canceled. You probably won't see this as a problem with PC games because you don't really need a dev kit for PC. Uh, but, but for the consoles, you need to have a dev kit. Although, you know, as far as Stadia goes, the dev kit is in the cloud, so you can effectively still share the dev kit and everything works fine. But with Nintendo and Sony and PlayStation or and uh, Microsoft, the dev kits—that's an expensive thing, and being able to share them is going to be uh, a stumbling block for a lot of companies. So I expect that we will probably see more cancellations of games from smaller studios that are working on this stuff. Um, it's it's too bad. But I think that they're doing the right thing by canceling the game rather than shipping a game that comes out and just doesn't work the way that we would hope that it would. Um, anyway, uh, I, I'm, I'm hope, hoping that I'm completely wrong about this, but uh, what do you guys think uh, about Deliver Us the Moon being canceled on Nintendo Switch? Had any of you pre-ordered this game? I know that a lot of people were looking forward to it. I watched a video on it the other day, and it, I was like, man, this thing looks really cool. I wasn't like a pre-ordery kind of guy, but uh, but I was looking at this and thinking this looks really rad. Uh, although you know the graphics that we saw were never Nintendo graphics; they were either PlayStation or Xbox. Anyway, let's move on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Switchcraft is going to be really good for people who watch the video version over on my Twitch channel, but for the people who listen to it, there's going to be me referring to a lot of different videos, and for that, I apologize. Make sure that you check out the show notes over at runjumpstomp.com. I want to start by talking about a bunch of screenshots that were posted by Nintendo today. I posted them all on my website and uh, they are really, really good. They are screenshots of, um, oh, now my brain is having trouble remembering the name of the game, uh, Paper Mario, The Origami King. And I have to say, this game looks absolutely beautiful. And there's tons, that, like I think it was like 46 screenshots, and a lot of them are new screenshots, things that we've not seen before. In addition to all of these new screenshots, which again, you can find if you uh, go over to my website, runjumpstomp.com. Oh, look at that. That were, that one had Luigi. All right, so we know Luigi's in there somewhere. Um, in addition to that, you also uh, can find a link to a video that Nintendo posted showing us a little more about Paper Mario and the Origami King. And they they go into pretty good detail on the combat in the game, which is which is really, really interesting. And, you know, I, I posted a, a tweet earlier asking if this video made you more hyped or less hyped for Paper Mario the Origami King after seeing what the combat is like. And if you don't follow me on Twitter, I'm at RunJumpStomp on, on Twitter. So uh, go over there and you can vote in the poll and I'll talk about it on Saturday's episode. 
Um, here's the thing about Paper Mario, the Origami King, and the combat that they showed us today. I feel like the combat looks really, really cool. However, and this is a big, big however, I, I, there are choices that they have made which make me very, very nervous for how much I will enjoy this game. Uh, so let's start with how the combat works. You've got these these uh, enemies standing on a bunch of rings that are surrounding Mario and his compatriots. And you can manipulate those rings in order to move the enemies around to put them in the right place so that they are positioned for you to do the most damage uh, that you can when it's your turn to attack. Now, we already kind of knew about this, but they showed it in more depth today. And the thing that I want to make sure that I point out is that you are timed. And I really don't like the idea that you're timed. I would very much prefer that I get all the time that I need in order to look at the... the, Because it's a puzzle, right? And I want to be able to look at the puzzle and try and figure out exactly what it is that I need to do in order to do the most damage. And I think that by putting a timer on there, it's going to put some pressure on people and they're going to struggle with it. Now, maybe the combat won't be all that difficult. And here's why maybe the combat won't be all that difficult. Maybe the enemies just... Maybe it doesn't really matter how good you are at the combat part of it. Either uh, shifting the rings left uh, counterclockwise or clockwise, or by using uh, buttons, um, not buttons, but uh, using abilities to shove the enemies from one side of your uh, of the rings to the other. Uh, whatever it is that you end up doing, either the spin or the slide moves, in order to line up to get you extra attack power. If that's really, really important that you get it right, then putting a timer on it, I just don't think that's a great idea. However, there is always the idea that maybe the timing, like it it shows in the video, I think you had like 20 seconds or something to do whatever it is that you were trying to do. And maybe 20 seconds is way more time than you need. And that, that's just regular combat. Now, they also showed off some boss fights. And I have to say, the boss, ba- the boss battles look really, really cool. Especially the characters that you're fighting against. There is a case of colored pencils. There is um, a guy made out of rubber bands. There's a giant piece uh, or, or a tape roller. Uh, which I can't think of anything more terrifying than tape if I am made out of paper. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, the animations are all really, really awesome. And then they showed off the actual combat. And there's these cool things where there's arrows and uh, there's just a bunch of arrows on the circles that you can manipulate. And you have to manipulate them in order to get Mario close enough to the boss, which is really, really cool. But again, it's timed. And that timed portion is the t- is the thing that makes me very, very nervous. Um, they also talked about the fact that there's a bunch of collectibles in it, which I think is cool. I'm, I've never been somebody who goes into these games looking for a bunch of collectibles. 
I don't really care about the collectibles all that much, which is weird because that's the only thing about Pokemon that I like is just trying to quote unquote catch them all. Um, you'd think that I would be really, really into collectibles, but I'm not. I'm not into collectibles. I will say this. The combat mechanic looks great. The fact that it's timed has me nervous, but everything else about this video looked really, really compelling and really, really fun. And I, I'm very interested in finding out more about Paper Mario and the Origami King. I think that this game looks great and I can't wait to find out even more about it. And it comes out in like, I think it's in less than a month at this point, isn't it? Maybe it's July 18th. God, I hope it's not June 18th. Is it June 18th? I don't have time to play it in June 18th. When does this game come out? All right, whew, July 17th. I was like, I've got Elder Scrolls Online coming to Google Stadia on the 16th of June. I don't have time to play that and Paper Mario within two days of each other. So I'm glad this is coming out um, on July 17th, although we already knew that. I just forgot it because I'm an old, old, old man. Uh, here's my question. I already asked it. Um, it does, this, does this video or these screenshots make you more hyped for the game or less hyped for the game? Reply with your reasons to that tweet, and uh, we can talk about it on the show tomorrow. You've been back to the future of the movies. Now go there on your NES. Well, this is the week of E3, and you would expect to get a lot of announcements this week at E3, but since E3 was canceled because of COVID-19... We're still getting some announcements, and we've got a whole bunch of announcements to get through. Uh, not necessarily Nintendo announcements, but games that are that will be on Nintendo. Uh, I'm going to start with Alex Kidd in Miracle World um, is getting a remake. And I have to say, I'm not somebody who really ever thought anything was good about Alex Kidd. I only played a little tiny bit like the tiniest of bits. A friend of mine had a Sega Master System when we were kids and we played a little bit of of Alex Kid and I I thought to myself this is not a very good game. Let's go back to our NES where the good games are. And I really never went back and tried out Alex Kid again. Well, Alex Kidd in Miracle World is getting a remake on modern day systems. It's got a retro mode, which is cool. It's got a boss rush mode. It's got updated graphics, or you can do the retro graphics as well. It's by Merge Games. And overall, I think that this game looks pretty good. Like, I I think it looks good, even though I'm not a fan of Alex Kidd. Now, I was curious what other people thought of Alex Kidd in Miracle World. And I, I looked it up, and this game got really, really good reviews. So I, maybe I was just too quick to judge back in the day. Um, it just did not appeal to me. I don't understand why they've got, like, first off, I, I do have a question, and maybe you guys can answer this for me. Um, Alex Kidd, uh, on the like on the picture, looks like a human, but when they show him in like 8-bit, uh, he looks, well, okay, the old version, he looked like a monkey. So I always thought that Alex Kidd was a monkey. Is he not a monkey? Is he a human? Or did they decide that he was not a monkey? Did they change it? 
Um, Darren Pogue in chat is saying it's Sega's original mascot. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> oh man. Thanks. Thank you for blocking that. Joel Mead. Tony P. Henderson was misbehaving. Uh, Jester Scott says, I always thought he was a monkey too. I mean, just, I thought he was a monkey, but if you look at the, the thumbnail for this YouTube video, and I know that you can't see it, but if you go to, uh, my website, you can see it. He looks like a human. He does not look like a monkey. So, like, which is it? I guess it's Alex Kidd. It's not Alex Monkey. So, I don't know. Anyway, are you excited for Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX, which is I guess, is what they're calling it? I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Let's go racing! It's Super Mario Kart Funny Car Madness! Only on Super NES! Turn the track into a giant mud pit! Or burn rubber on ice, wood, or asphalt! Mix it up for the big boys! Before we get to our next segment, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons. I give out all of the content that I make for free. It's all for free. Nothing is behind the paywall over at Patreon, which is why it is so surprising that we are approaching 70 patrons over on Patreon. The only thing that you get from becoming a patron is you get to listen to the show without any ads in it. And for that, I have to say a huge, huge thank you to each and every one of those nearly 70 patrons. I I just, I'm blown away when like there's people who reach out and they say, Hey Bill, how do, how can I support you making this show? And I point them to the Patreon and, uh, you know, then, you know, next thing I, I know, I get a little notification that says, Hey, so-and-so has just become a patron. And that just, I tell my wife and my wife looks at me and she goes, how come? And I said, I don't know because she's, because they're awesome, I guess. Uh, so I just wanted to say thank you to all of our patrons for uh, the support and helping me make content that I think that you guys like. So a uh, big thank you to all of my patrons. I do, however, want to call out special attention to uh, a certain subset of the patrons at the end of the show. This is a new thing that I got the idea by listening to another podcast is anybody who pledges at the $10 tier or higher that's per month, not per episode. Um, and you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. But anybody who pledges at $10 or higher, at the end of the show, I'm going to uh, you know, acknowledge you as a producer of the show. Uh, because that's you, know, you helped produce the show. And it's, of course, everybody did, but I can't list everybody off because we're already at almost 70, 70 patrons. So I want to thank everybody. Uh, but uh, you guys just you blow me away with the support. Now, one other thing before we get to the next segment. I know, I keep delaying it. Well, I just want to let everybody know, this is a new thing that I did not know about. Um, there's a button on my on my website, runjumpstomp.com. If you go to the website and you scroll down on the left-hand side, uh, you're going to see like a sidebar. And when you get to the bottom of the sidebar, there is a thing that says follow via email. And if you click on that follow button, every time that I post... A new, uh, a new post to the website, be it the show notes, so like you'll know what I'm going to talk about ahead of time, or maybe it's some gaming news stories uh, that'll get emailed directly to you. And I think that that's really really cool. I used to have a mailing list that I was using, and I decided that 
I wanted to use this instead. So now that this is a thing, you can join over 2,000 other people who already have clicked on that follow button and get the the stuff from the website emailed directly to you. All right. So again, that's runjumpstomp.com. All right. Uh, and before I get out of here, the Patreon. If you want to join the Patreon, runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. All right. Let's get back to the news. Nintendo, please hold. One moment. Thank you. May I help you? And in Seattle, at the company's U.S. headquarters, they listen to the customers. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. The next game that I want to talk about is also from Merged Games. It is called Foreclosed. It takes place in some kind of dystopian future. It's got a really, really cool art style, almost comic booky art style, and we'll come back to that comic booky art style later on in the show. Um, I really like the way that this game looks. You play as a guy who whose identity, I guess everybody in this world has their identity implanted in them when they're born and the state owns your identity. And for some reason, whoever owns this guy's identity has decided uh, he doesn't deserve it anymore. So now everybody's hunting him down. It seems like a very cool sci-fi story. And then they showed like the actual gameplay where, you know, you're this dude and you're shooting enemies and, I the thing about this that jumped out at me was like when he shoots the gun it says like bam 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 like almost like the 1960s Batman um when they would get in fights and they would punch somebody and it would say pow zap and you know that kind of thing when you shoot guns in this game in this game it says blam 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 uh as you're shooting I really really like the art style I like the world that they have going on. Um, I think that this sounds really, really interesting and I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on it. Again, that game is called foreclosed and it was revealed as part of the IGN summer of gaming along with, you know, that's also where we saw the Alex kid in miracle world and, uh, the other games that I'm going to talk about in a, in a bit. Now they did not say in this particular video that it is for Nintendo Switch. However, later on in a different video, in an IGN interview, uh, they confirmed verbally, they're, they're like, oh, it's going to be on these platforms. They listed them all off, and Switch is, in fact, one of them. This guy has like some kind of cool abilities as well, where he can like almost like use the Force, it seemed like, which was kind of cool. Like He could grab like a wall and shove it in front of him. I think that this looks really cool. I'm interested in foreclosed and uh, we'll let you know if, what else they have to say about it. You know, I said I was going to talk about it later on the show. I think I'll talk about it right now. There was a game on PC back in the day. And when this game came out, I really, really wanted this game. I borrowed it from a friend and I played a little bit of it on my computer, but my computer 
could not handle uh, the game at the time. I didn't have a powerful enough computer to run that, and that game is called 13. And speaking of that comic book art style, this is one that has that comic book art style as well. It was weird because, you know, back then I didn't quite understand the different reasons why a game would be taxing on a system. And I thought, you know, it just looks comic booky. It should be, it should run just fine on my computer. But then when I tried to run it, my, my computer just could not run it. So what is 13? Well, 13 is a remake of this old comic book style, first person shooter. Uh, everything is cell shaded very much like, um, like Zelda. Um, oh God, wind waker, just like Zelda wind waker and it's a first-person shooter, and it looks really, really fantastic. And I have to say, this is one of those games where because of the art style that they chose, it really, really holds up visually. Like, if you look at games that are made today, many times what you'll see are games that are absolutely gorgeous, but they are games that have gone with realism instead of a more stylistic point of view. And because they go with realism, in a few years, those games will look dated. As we get better at stuff, uh, the games will look dated. They just won't look as good as the ones that go with a stylistic approach. And the best example that I can give you of this would be like World of Warcraft. Uh, World of Warcraft, it, when when that came out, there was a lot of people who looked at it and they said, oh, look how cartoony it is. You know, it's so cartoony. Why didn't they go for a more realistic looking thing? Well, because that cartoony look still looks good years later. The same thing with Wind Waker. Wind Waker, when that first came out, everybody was really, really upset that that particular game didn't look the way that they were hoping. And that's that's partly Nintendo's fault because Nintendo showed that really cool uh, fight between Link and Ganon back when uh, when they did, I think it was Space World at one year, and then they showed the next year they they showed uh, Wind Waker, and everybody was like, what happened to the cool, cool super dark, realistic, adult-looking Link that was fighting Ganondorf that you showed us before at Space World? How come now you're showing us this cartoon thing? And if you look at um, Wind Waker, even running on a GameCube today, you look at that game, it holds up. It looks fantastic. And uh, 13, it's Roman numerals 13, by the way, X11, or III, okay? Uh, 13 uh, has that same aesthetic. And because it has that same aesthetic, it stands up to the test of time and looks really fantastic. Uh, it's coming to PS4, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch. Uh, and as far as like comic books go, it it even has like comic book panels in the game as you're playing. It's it's a very very cool game, and I'm looking forward to playing it again on Nintendo Switch. <laughs> the last game that I want to talk about today is actually a game that I've already played. I've been in the beta test on PC for this game for quite a while now and it's called Spellbreak. Now, if you have not heard of this game, it is a battle royale game. Uh, and you might be thinking, well, do we really need another battle royale game? 
Well, the the thing about battle royale games is sure they're all like a hundred people versus each other. The, the the but each one of them has something very very different, which is compelling. So, you know, Fortnite has the stuff where you build uh, with the materials, which is really cool. Um, I don't personally like it because I'm I, I'm just bad at it. Uh, but I can I can see why that is an objectively good game. Uh, Apex Legends has those different heroes that you can play as. Uh, PUBG has. Okay, I don't know what PUBG was really like the first one, so that's what it has going for it. Uh, so, what does Spellbreak have to bring to the genre? Well, it's less about guns and more about magic. It's a it's a magic game. You are a bunch of wizards or sorcerers or whatever it is that you want to call each other, um, and you can focus on like wind magic or ice magic or fire magic. And, uh, but it follows the same tropes of every other battle royale game, except now you have magic powers, which are really, really cool. You can fly, which is, is awesome. I played it on PC and I was real, real bad at it. Uh, but now it's coming to consoles and it's coming to Nintendo switch. It is a free to play game. Well, I think it's free to play game. Actually, let me pause recording for a second and double check that. So I can't actually find anywhere if the game is actually free or if it's only free because it's in beta right now in order to gain access to the beta you either have to be randomly chosen to get into the beta or you can gain access to the beta by doing like a $50 support the development uh, like you buy something which gets you a bunch of in-game currency stuff um i guess my guess is that this is a free-to-play game as most battle royale games are uh and I think that that's a good thing. They're, they're going to monetize other ways. Now, right now, you can do the closed beta on PC and PS4. And it is also coming to um, uh, Xbox One and Nintendo Switch as well. And it, the way that they're going to monetize this game is, I believe, is through what are called Founders Packs. So... Uh, there's in-game currency that you get. You get certain avatars that look different. This is very, very Fortnite-y if uh, you get my drift. Uh, but that's how I believe that you will be able to support this game. And 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 this is how they're going to monetize um, is by having these different uh, founders packs that you can buy and probably like skins that you can buy after the fact. I always like to try out different... Um, What's the word I'm looking at? Different Battle Royale games and see how they're different. And if this one's free, I'll definitely check it out. I probably, even though I'm in the alpha, like I would like to see what it's like on console. I don't think that I would, uh, I don't think that I would pay money for it. There, There's things about it that I didn't like. I felt like I had trouble aiming. Of course, I was using mouse and keyboard. I don't usually use mouse and keyboard. Um, somebody in chat was saying uh, that they're also in the alpha and they felt like the world is designed very odd. And I agree with that. Like you've got all of these ruins surrounding you all over the place and it, nothing feels very landmarky. It, whereas if you're playing Fortnite, you're like, Oh, let's go. And okay, this is going to show how long it's been since I played Fortnite because I don't know how, what the world looks like anymore, but you know, you might say, let's go to tilted towers or let's go to, the golf course or let's go to this other place and all of those places have distinct looks to them 
when I was playing Spellbreak, I felt like everything looked the same and it didn't feel like I couldn't tell that I was moving from one area to another. They had different like like there was like an area that was a little more red and there was an area that was a little more green, but it didn't feel different. It just felt like the same thing over and over. Of course, this was, I don't know, I think two years ago or maybe a year and a half ago. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's coming to the Nintendo Switch and um, there you go. Uh, one last game that I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to talk about this very, very quickly, is uh, a game that I don't know much about other than it, is, it looks like it's a twin-stick shooter. And it's coming out on June 18th, and it is called Ruiner. And I like the art style of it. Uh, this is, you know, this is not for kids to play, I, I wouldn't say. Uh, I would, uh, you know, not let your kids play this game. There's lots of blood and stuff in this, but it looks like it's a top-down style game where you've got two sticks, a twin-stick shooter, with really, really good graphics. It comes to Nintendo Switch on June 18th, and I just wanted to let people know about that. And if you want to see what it looks like, head on over to my website, runjumpstomp.com. It's Bart versus the Space Mutants for your NES. Only Bart Simpson can save the Earth. This episode of Nintendo Switchcraft is made possible by patrons like you. Thank you to all of our patrons, and a big thank you to our patrons who are at the $10 and above tier. Abigail13, you are fantastic. Become a part of our community over at runjumpstomp.com slash discord. You can also watch the show live at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. You can get a hold of me. Uh, on Twitter at runjumpstomp. If you enjoyed the show, send me a DM of you with a thumbs up. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, stop by runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. The music that you're hearing right now is Corneria Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. I'll see you guys around. Stay safe. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. This show is part of the Giant Size Team-Up Network. For more information, check us out over at gstu.net.